The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Wastelanders, Vault Dwellers, when they tell you that it's cold in Boston, it's cold in Boston. It's it's freezing. It is so. I mean, I'm a Florida boy, so uh, let's just let's just start there. I get home and it is like 60 degrees out. It's it's not that cold, right? But but it's cold. It's cold in Boston. I was up at Bethesda Game Days. This last weekend, I just got home last night. I'm recording this the very next day. Uh, you know, I needed a little bit of time to kind of chill and enjoy the warm weather. <laughs> I, I got home in the evening, so uh, there wasn't a whole lot of extra time left. But I'm recording this today, and this episode today will be discussing my impressions, my feelings about wastelanders the wastelanders preview i got to play i got hands-on with it i was also behind the scenes i got to perform with the chad a fallout 76 story podcast on stage which was super cool got to hang out with pete hines with some of the other people at bethesda and go backstage and i got to see the doom guitar up close that was super cool got to play speaking of doom got to play doom eternal um, there's a lot I want to go over and I would be remiss. Yeah, that's the word. I would be remiss to give you this episode of the fallout lore cast without taking the opportunity to just go into all these details. So that's what this episode is going to be about. I'm I'll get back to lore next week. There's a little bit, a little bit of lore things, I guess you could say in the wastelanders preview, which is cool, but it's mostly uh, gameplay notices and things that I've Got to pick up while uh, while checking that out. But um, that's what this episode is about. Be back next week with regular lore episodes. Uh, but I figured you guys would want to know a little bit more about what's going on with that stuff. So what's the best way to format this? I think I'm going to give you some background on the event and what it was like to work with the Bethesda team and be backstage and... Uh, get to get to show up early in the morning and talk with guys like Pete Hines and then what it was like to actually play the games. And I'll, and I'll mention a little bit about Doom Eternal, too. I'm sure some of you guys are excited about that as well. So. All right. So let's get let's get to the beginning here. We were invited about two months ago to come on out. And it was a it came as a like, hey, what do you guys think about this? Would it be possible to do a live performance of Chad, a Fallout 76 story on stage? Is that even a thing you guys could do? And Ken runs that show. That is Ken's baby. And he rallied the cats. He got us all together basically and said, hey, what do you guys think? And of course, everyone was, was like out of their minds. And we were like, yeah, of course, we'd love to do that. So 
we all paid for our own flights and we all flew up there. It was it was very much not a paid gig. It's not like Bethesda came out and said, you know, here's a thousand bucks for each of you for doing this. It wasn't anything like that. It was it was a wonderful opportunity to get to go, which I probably would have gone up anyway. I just went to the Vegas event the month before going up to Bethesda game days and getting to check out Wastelanders ahead of time and, you know, kind of be part of that PAX East thing was something that was definitely on my on my radar. But this was so much cooler than that would have been. So when we get there, let's see, I, I flew in on Thursday, I got to hang out with some of the cast. We went to a brewery nearby our hotel. We were in the um, the Envoy Hotel. Was that the name of it? The Envoy. And man, talk about like the most hipster hotel in Boston. This place, I don't know if you saw some of the pictures I shared on Twitter. This place had... For example, the back half of a bicycle frame with a wheel as the thing that held the television in the room. Like that's the kind of that's the kind of hotel it was. It had sliding glass doors that uh, closed off the like the shower and the sink area in the bedroom with uh, all sorts of art on like the glass. Crazy. There was a beanbag in my room, like a canvas beanbag the size of like a, a walrus corpse. And it looked basically like a walrus corpse. This was I'm telling you, this is the most hipster hotel. Um, so <laughs> so crazy, crazy hotel uh, hung out with some of the cast. The next day it was Friday and um, we had some read throughs and stuff and we prepped. Our performance was on Saturday. So Saturday was the big day. Saturday, we got up uh, nice and early. We had some breakfast together and then we headed on over to the uh, the event. When the event was in basically the Westin is connected to the convention center where PAX East is. And on the other side. So there's there's the convention center. There's the Westin Hotel. They're all kind of the same building. And then on the other side of the hotel is uh, like an Irish pub and a comedy club. And it's like that whole area is the Bethesda game days thing. And people line up and wait hours to get in. You get in, you get like a wristband that gives you a shirt and you get like a Bethesda game day shirt. I got one for my wife and one for me. Um, and then there's like tickets that you get for drinks and they have food and they treat everybody really well. Basically, you get to come in, you get to sit wherever you want. You get to just check stuff out. You can look at all the cool merch in person. If you want to buy anything, you can get it for the same prices that they're on, on the store for, but without any shipping, which is awesome. Um, and then there's these sections with with uh, PCs set up and they have mouse and keyboards or controllers. And you can use one or the other, depending on which platform you're more familiar with or what device you like. And in the Irish pub area, there were, I don't know, a dozen Doom Eternal PCs. And in the uh, comedy club area uh, uh, over in the back, there was, um, you know, like a, about a dozen, maybe 10 or 12 uh, Fallout Wastelander PCs all set up. And um, man, it was it was cool, so especially to be in there behind the scenes early, because um, as some of you guys know, and I've mentioned this on the, on the show before I, I toured in a band. I used to be behind the scenes in lots of different things. I've been part of productions. I've been, I've been part of that. I'm actually more comfortable when I'm part of the thing that's going on at the place than when I'm in the audience as a member of the audience, because that feels more natural for me because that's more of what I've done. And so you go in and it's empty except for the staff 
that's there for the location and the Bethesda people who are showing up and doing their thing. They're the sound guy setting up the sound stuff. They're going over the booth, like the, the stage for the the performance stuff, the, the stuff that you guys see on stream is all on one stage. And then in front of that are a bunch of tables and chairs where people can sit and drink and eat and, and watch the thing. And there's some couches over on the side. There was like an elder scrolls online section with some couches. And, um, some of the people from that were over there. Uh, Mike Finnegan was hanging out with rich Lambert and, um, Gina and so, some of the other people who tend to show up at these live events. Um, they're all hanging out over there. You can go talk to them. And so, so we get in and it's not too long before, um, everybody, all of our group kind of shows up in the front and then they let us all in and we're, we're looking around, we're checking everything out. I'm, you know, everybody's drooling over all the cool stuff, <laughs> you know, like the big posters and the, the, um, man, you know, this fallout 76 leather jacket that they have on sale on the, uh, the store, the pictures of it make it look okay. It's kind of got the shiny gold on it and it's like a blue leather. And I always was a little bit like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I want a blue leather jacket. Well, I didn't pick one up. It's only hundred bucks though. So for a nice leather jacket, that's really not that bad. Um, but you see that in person, that thing sitting on the mannequin in person, it looks really cool. There's something about the, the way the texture doesn't come across in the pictures. It actually looks really, really cool up front, up close. Uh, one of the members of our, our group, she picked up the jacket and was actually wearing it on stage during the performance. Um, and the Doom jacket, man, the Doom jacket with the Doom embossed on the back. Oh, man, that looks really, really cool. All right, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash falloutlore, expressvpn.com slash falloutlore to learn more. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I mean, both of those jackets were, were awesome. Had I not just bought a jacket, because as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it was really cold. It was really cold in Boston. Uh, I had just bought a new jacket the day before because I needed more warmth. I probably would have spent that money on one of those jackets instead. Although, you know, I could have taken it back to the store. I didn't even think about that. Oh, well. So we're in there kind of drooling over everything and not literally. That would be gross. And uh, 
uh, Pete Hines shows up and is like, hey, guys, welcome. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And of course, everybody forms this big circle. And of course, they've got on their, uh, you know, everyone's fanboying and fangirling out over Pete Hines and um, super nice guy. And he's like, you know, just, just regular dude. Welcome. You know, how's it going? And he just kind of sat there, answered some questions, hung out with us while things were getting ready. We had a run through to do. If you saw the live performance, you saw that he joined us on stage as the judge, which was super awesome. Uh, we sat there, uh, kind of got the the scripts out. We're going through the scripts, asked him about his lines. You know, was there anything that he needed from us? And then we did a run through uh, up on the stage and everyone got to do their parts and we got to decide, OK, this is where we're going to sit. This is who's going to have what microphone, all that kind of stuff. And then from that point on, we were there early. The doors officially opened at one. The first actual stage performance thing went on at two and it was only like, I don't know, 1130. And we had just the run of the place. So some of us went over and played Wastelanders and some of us went over and played Doom Eternal and then switched and played the other. So we got a chance to sit down and play these demos before we were part of the crowd as they were coming in. And um, so so you guys are going to be mad at me. I went over and played Doom Eternal first because I knew I was going to spend more time over by the Wastelanders and watch other people play also. So I went over and, and popped down, sat down and played about, I don't know, 10 minutes of Doom, Doom Eternal. And I was like, I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. This is feels like it feels like more and better Doom 2016. And um, it, the, the game just gets you right in from the beginning you, I don't know how many of you guys have played Doom 2016. It it starts out and things kind of start to pick up. In this one, it starts with this uh, this narration going on and then a, like an external view of the Earth, the globe, from space. And it is it looks like it's on fire with like demonic symbols and things all over the continents and it says like something like 60 percent of life on earth has been wiped out billions of people have died um and of course you're tasked with sending the demons back to hell right so all of a sudden you like warp into wherever you're going and you pop out and you just start ripping and tearing away and you're in the middle of a city that's you know being destroyed and there is a demon that you see when you come out of the first building the size of a skyscraper, like just, I don't know, King Konging around like, a, but it's, it's walking almost like a, like a four legged beast with big forearms. And it's just like, Oh crap. Okay. They come in, they come in extra, extra large, huh? Uh, but yeah, super cool. Very mobile, very fast. Lots of cool death animations. The best one, uh, <laughs> we were talking about, uh, Jonathan from the podcast, from the podcast, from the Chad show who does the, um, uh, the uh, Mothman priest voice and I were, were chatting about it because he loves Doom too. And he was like, did you see the one where you you take the guy, you take the uh, whatever, the undead looking dude and you hit him on the head and it sticks his head in between his shoulders, like almost like a cartoon. It, it was so good. So that was a lot of fun. And if you are a fan of Doom or if you haven't given Doom a try yet, this might be the time to do it. Um, uh, for me, I think it's definitely a either a pre-order or a buy on first day when it's available kind of purchase. I think it's going to be great. Um, I've, <laughs> I was talking with some of the other people behind, actually I was talking to Pete Hines about it after I played and he was like, so what'd you think? And I was like, I was like, dude, it felt 
it felt awesome. I was like, you know, when 2016 came out and I was like, I put the headphones on my wife and I are sitting at our computers next to each other and I have, I turn up the volume all the way and I've got this big goofy grin on my face. And she's like, what well, was it good? And I was like, yeah, I'm like 15 again. <laughs> and that's, that's exactly how this feels too. The mute and the music of course is awesome. Uh, that's one of my regular go-to uh, soundtrack to my life type music on my playlist. Uh, that was a really terrible way of describing that, but yeah, it seems like a, a definite buy when it comes out, at least if, unless you're going to pre-order and get doom 64, which of course is super cool too. So, all right, we're gonna take a quick break and then I will get to my impressions of wastelanders. Hello there, old chat. Good to see another of general atomics finest still eager to serve. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. All right, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, I'm your host again, Tom, or Robots. And, uh, oh, one thing before we get into Wastelanders, real quick. Thank you to all of our new patrons. Even just in the last week since our patron episode, I think we've had something like four or five new patrons all of a sudden. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for signing up, uh, along with some new tier four patrons who I'm going to get to meet and chat with at the end of the month when we do our patron only episode of the show. So very, very cool. Thank you. And welcome to all of you guys. Um, I'll go through all the call outs for all the names and stuff at the end of the month and we'll uh, get to chat. So, OK, so I get done playing Doom Eternal and I walk back in the other room and the computers are all filled up like a bunch of our cast people are all sitting at the computers and I, I just get to stand there and watch like, I don't know, 10 of them just play the game and they're all in different places and they're all talking to different people, talking to different people. Holy crap, right? People in the wasteland, NPCs. And um, the first thing that really strikes me and they, and they noted this in the conference is that they've completely redone the lighting system. And this is part of a bigger um, change that they've made to the system. Rumor has it that the updates they've been making to the live version of the game are bits and pieces that are coming from a completely new build of the game that will be released alongside with Wastelanders. And that's why there's been some, some conflict and some struggles with some of the updates that have been coming out to the live version is because they've, they made like the technical decision to do the best thing possible for the future of the game rather than the current version of the game. Um, it, by, by focusing on a new build that will come out with Wastelanders that will run, uh, just better, less crashes, all, all of the fix a lot of the things. And I'm sure we're still going to see issues. It's a video game, right? We're still going to see issues and and things that quality of life issues, maybe some crashing, whatever, that they're still going to have to adjust in and deal with over, over time. But this is a new build. And one of the things that's most obvious about this being a new build is the lighting system. And just standing back and watching all, all of these different PCs running and each person in a different location, talking to different people, the first thing that really stood out to me was the reflections the reflections on it was somebody was wearing something. I don't know if it was metal armor or something that was shiny. And to my eyes, I was like, wow, that, that didn't look like that before. And then I noticed the, the coloration and some of the contrast and, and somebody was walking outside in 
like kind of a uh, shaded area. And there's, there's something about the way the, the lighting engine works now that makes it more, it makes it look more like a, you know, the difference between um, like, I don't know, film footage before you had digital shading, digital color correction and film footage afterwards. It was kind of like that. Uh, and this is one of those things like as a YouTuber, you can, you can get, you can get these filters for your, your videos when you're making videos that give the, the video more of this kind of high quality cinematic kind of color correction and shading feature. That's the best way I can describe it. I don't know a ton about it, but that's what it felt like. It felt like there was more definition between the things in the foreground foreground and the things in the background. And it felt like the colors were more realish, like less cartoony, if that makes sense. So that was the first thing that really popped out at me. Then I got the opportunity to sit down at one of the PCs and give it a try myself. And I'd watched uh, uh, some of these other people play and talk with NPCs. And oh, and one of the other things that I noticed about when you talk with NPCs is that the uh, the foreground stays very sharp, but the the background blurs. So it creates this like bokeh effect. Is that what it's called? Where like, uh, like a cinematic uh, blur to the things at a distance, but the things in the foreground are, are in focus. And that, that was very cool. Um, it didn't have like an awkward zoom in on the, the person you're talking to thing so much as it had a very natural looking like, here, this is a person you're talking to. So this is what you're focused on. Um, the screen, if you notice them in the, some of the videos shows, uh, a number of different dialogue options and basically lists out exactly what you're going to say in each one. And if you have the, the character build to be able to interact with certain ones or not. Um, and for some of them, you can't have above a certain level of say intelligence or persuasion or whatever. Um, so that's, that's super fun. Cause that sounds very much more like the dialogue system in new Vegas. Um, so then I got a chance to sit down sat down in front of one of these PCs, got it up and running. And uh, they start you out right from the point where you leave the vault. You don't have to go through the whole, you know, getting out of the vault system thing. You just, you're out in front of the vault. You're like a level three character to begin with, something like that. And then immediately, bing, a quest pops up. And it has a name. I don't remember the name, but it says, hey, you need to go over here. And it's actually it's just a little ways down, like the winding path from Vault 76. And you head down and you see two, I believe they're two women uh, in raggedy looking clothing. And they're just standing there and you go up and you talk to them and you have a dialogue with them about like what's going on. And and very concisely, they're like, you just came out of the vault. Like, what's going on up there? Can we get back in? And they ask about like, is it open still? And you're like, no, I think it's locked. Um, and you, they give you a little bit of background as to why they're there. And then they send you on your way to the place that you're going next, where you can actually meet um, the lady at the bar who you've also seen in some of the trailers and things. And uh, there's a ghoul at the bar. And uh, so let, let me back up. So you talk to the two women and you're talking to one of them primarily because she's kind of the quest giver of the two. And the second one chimes in and the camera pans back and moves to the left and then focuses on her while she responds. And then it focuses back 
on the one you were talking to, but keeps the second person in camera frame, which is really cool. I've never seen this in a Bethesda game before where you can actually have conversations with more than one person or groups of people and the camera will allow for it and the other people can chime in. It felt very, very natural. It was really, really cool. So talk with them, head down the path, head back to where like the overseers little area was the first time you come out of the vault and you find this bar that wasn't there before. And there's a guy outside working on, you know, you know, hitting a hammer up against the thing. And you can go up to him and be like, Hey man, he's like, Hey, how's it going? And, uh, there's an assault Tron or something. It wasn't an assault Tron. It was one of the really big ones with the treads. Um, you know, guarding the place. So obviously you didn't want to kill them. Oh, and before I even got there, before I even got there, I passed, there's a little lake down, uh, down the hill from the vault. And I believe it's the lake where normally you would see one of those protectrons walk around. One of the ones that's like gathering stuff in the area. There's a little dock on the lake and I ran into a guy and I think it's a guy that's probably almost always there. Um, they mentioned that you do run across individuals out in the wasteland and some of them have specific places. Some of them like that's like, that's his dock. He, he hangs out there. That's what he does. Um, but some of them are just random people. Like you can come across, uh, one of the guys was playing and he was walking down a road and he came across a raider encampment on the road that was meant to, you know, like waylay travelers and steal their stuff, which feels very like red dead redemption or something. I was like, well, that's really cool. But it's like a random occurrence. It's not like they always hang out in that spot. It's like something that could just happen, I think, is was the idea. Um, so I came across this guy, had a very brief conversation with him. Nothing, nothing too much going on with him. And then I was like, you know what? I need a gun. So I just macheted him to death and stole his stuff. And I know that's absolutely terrible, but I wanted to see what would happen. I wanted to see, like, uh, what happens if I attack this guy? And sure enough, he tried to defend himself. I killed him. I took his stuff, moved on, went to the... Um, went inside the the bar, found the bar, you walk inside and there's a guy, you walk into a situation where a guy is holding them up. He's got a gun drawn. He's holding up the lady at the bar and you have a situation where you can decide what to do. You can either talk with the guy inside with him. You can, <laughs> you can attack him. You can be like, Hey, Hey, what's going on? Try to, you know, just talk some more. Um, so I got him talking and then I said, Hey bud, you sound pretty awesome. I want to side with you. And then the ghoul, the second guy in the bar shot him and he died. And I was like, wow, that was unexpected. But then they appreciated my dialogue with him for keeping him distracted so that they could get the jump on him. And I'm sure that could have played out a different way. It could have played out where I attacked the guy or it could have played out. Uh, there were like four different options. So I, I have to go back through and play a few different times to see what all the different things can what different things can occur. My guess is it's the very beginning that they're just trying to get you to the quest line. So ultimately he dies or you end up killing him. Right. And then you kind of move on and talk with the lady behind the bar. So that situation unfolds. You go up and you talk to the lady. She talks about what's going on. Um, settlers are moving back. She needs some help with something, you know, typical kind of quest giver stuff. Again, we get the thing with the camera where it zooms over to the side and and focuses in on the ghoul guy over on the side. And then you finish your conversation with her, you're tasked with going and talking with him. What's cool about this, uh, the, the ghoul man that you talk to is that he's only been ghoulified for 25, 26 years now. It's an extra year later, right? 
So he doesn't talk all scruffy like this. Like he's still irradiated. He's still ghoulified. He still looks like his flesh is falling off, but his voice isn't as scruffy because he's, he's not been, I don't know, in that state as long as is my guess. He sounds a little bit more like a regular human. And I was like, wow, that's really, that's a, a cool detail. So I spent the rest of my gameplay not following forward on the on the quest because I, I got a chance to just kind of see some other people do that. And you only have 20 minutes anyway, so you don't get very far down that path line. Um, path line pathway? <laughs> Words. Uh, so what I did decide to do is try to go as far as I possibly could in that 20 minutes that I had, the, the rest of the 20 minutes, to see if I could run across any other... NPCs or events or anything else going on. So I headed over to Flatwoods. I, I knew there's, you know, a bunch of buildings over there. There's some cool stuff. There's the responders building um, and checked out a lot of that area. And uh, it's been a while since I've really looked at it hard. I would have to compare. I'd have to log back in now and look at it again and see if I can remember there being any differences. But a lot of that area is the same or at least very similar. The robots are outside of that, uh, the vault tech building over on the side there. Um, a lot of that area is the same. You still come across, um, what are they? Some ghouls or yeah, some ghouls over in, there's like a building with a stash in it. If you guys know the area, it's hard to describe what's what, what's where some ghouls started chasing a Brahmin. That was kind of funny. Uh, but that was, that was about it. I didn't come across any other NPCs in that part of the world or any other just like random events. But of course, it was just 20 minutes. So a lot of fun. Um, I, color me impressed so far. I'm hoping if the rest of it plays out the way that the intro does, then we are in for a treat. This this playing through right here felt a lot more like Fallout 4 than it did Fallout 76. And I think it had a lot to do with just running into people in the world, talking with people, finding little places to go in. Um, the bar, and I didn't know this before, but they mentioned this on the, the live stream. The bar is uh, an instanced area and you can go in with your party if you if you have a group of friends or by yourself. And it is instanced just like any other MMO so that your interactions with those individuals and what happens in that space is custom to your playthrough of the game so it's they're finding a way to balance the impact that you have in the world and those specific people in those specific areas with the open world mmo-ness of being able to run into people in the environment and meet other people and and those kinds of things so again i'm not fully sure how that plays out one of the questions i had is like i i saw that guy by the lake i killed him is he dead to me or does he come back to life when I log back in on a different server? Is he dead to everyone else on that server for the amount of time that we're on the server? Is that is that where the limitations are? Because he's just kind of a character in the world? Or for some reason, do I never see him again? I I don't know. I, I My guess is that it's server limited and that if I was to load back up, you know, the next day on a different server... That, or even just change servers. Maybe he wouldn't even exist anymore. Or maybe he, I'm sorry, maybe he would still exist and he would be back in that spot doing his thing. Because he's hes a non-important NPC, as far as I could tell. Um, so I, I'm, again, I'm not fully sure how all that stuff works. But here's 
here's the thing. Having had some conversations behind the scenes and having watched a number of people play and then playing myself, this is, and, and watching the live streams too, this is very much going in the direction that the community wanted, wants it to go. And I'm getting a better sense of the whole picture. The whole picture here is they were doing something brand new for the first time, knowing that they were going to invest years in this project. And so if you're behind the scenes and you're building out a game like this, you have two options. Spend three or four years, if, if that, uh, maybe more, right? Uh, putting together a game that you're not sure people are even going to like because it's so different. Or put it out early and then allow the community to respond. And they're following the success of Elder Scrolls Online here. That game came out, people played it, and there was a lot of people who were like, meh, it's okay. It doesn't feel like there's enough to do. Or I don't really like the way the world setup works. Or it doesn't feel enough Elder Scrolls to me. And then they said about updating it and fixing it. And within about two years, there was a significant update that really made the world feel different and feel more like a regular Elder Scrolls game. And they, and since then, they've, they've kept moving it in the direction based on the community response of where people want it to go. And no, it's not everything to everyone. It's not, they haven't been able to fix all the problems. It is not a perfect game. By the way, have you ever found a perfect game? But they've been able to continue adding in more of the features that people have liked in the community has grown and grown and grown. That's what they're going to do with Fallout 76. Every year will be a new year. That's my impression. Nobody told me that, but it seems like that's what they're setting up here. And each year they're going to change, remove, add. And I think what they've learned is that the people who play Fallout are PvE players mostly. Some people are PvP players, but mostly they are PvE players. They want things to do in the world. They want to make decisions that affect the world. They want to be building relationships with other characters, be they humans they come across or NPCs in the game. They want to be building and adding to the environment. These are the things that the majority of the player base is looking for, and they now understand that. This is not something they would have just understood when they started the game and started developing the game years back. And had they done what so many people think they should have done and just waited to put out a fully baked game, then guess what? We would have gotten just more of what was Fallout 76 originally in kind of a non-defined direction with less bugs and people would have bounced off of it. But instead, we have the opportunity to play this game, to give them feedback. People have been in the PTS giving them feedback about Wastelanders, and they've been making updates based on that feedback. And they're adding more and more people to that. This is, this is an opportunity to co-create this into the very game that we want it to be. And they understand that. In fact, they understand it so much that that's why that's why they reached out to the Chad podcast, because that's part of this co-creation. They're into co-creation. 
I had a very specific conversation with Pete Hines where I, I approached him, introduced myself, said, you know, thank you so much for bringing us to this event. I'm by the way, I'm Tom or robots. I, I run the robots radio network that Chad is a part of. Ken and I work together on a number of projects. Six of our shows on our network right now are all about Bethesda games because we just love these games so much. We'd, you know, love to be part of other future events, you know, other things that we can, we can do, uh, with you guys, you know, to, to work together or, or whatever, just kind of opened up the conversation, you know? And one of the things that he mentioned is that in the past, they've done things with very, very large content creators and that's fine. But he was like, you know what? The heart of this is with the smaller creators. And I think that he's absolutely right. It's the small groups of people who are forming, you know, the fallout five Oh, who we interviewed on the fallout hub and, and the fight club. Uh, thanks Jeremy for my shirt and my pins. Uh, very cool. I got I got to meet Jeremy. He runs the Fall uh, Fight Club, um, and then even like a list and and the the movie stuff that they've been building for YouTube. Like this is the game. This is the community. The game is not just what you play in the game. It's the bigger community around it. It's the response of the people who are playing. Even if you're not a content creator, if you're just being part of that community and you're sharing your thoughts and your feelings, and you're there for the long haul. Those of you who jumped in this in this last year got a chance to see a world before it changes forever. Things are going to be different this year. And then next year, they're going to be different again. This is such a cool opportunity and a new way of playing games in a world where so many of the games are stagnant or, uh, you know, are just end content MMOs where you just have to grind through the beginning in order to get to the end. This is a new way of doing that. And the picture is starting to become more clear. And yes, there's going to be bumps. There's going to be hiccups. There, there's going to be stuff that we're going to have to deal with along the way. And sure, they, they've definitely stumbled in the past and they've made mistakes. But, but there's more in store. And if you're, if you're just going to get butthurt about everything, then chances are you might miss out on some really cool stuff. So that's my thought. That's my advice. Not a Bethesda apologist, as one of the uh, reviewers said. Uh, and again, they haven't paid me anything. So that's just my two cents. All right, guys, have a great week. And I will be back with you next week with some regular Fallout lore stuff. Looking forward to it. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon.